and welcome to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast. My name is Jesse, and I'll be your host. So on today's episode, we are going to uh, head over to Gotham City to, you know, just have our dark noir vibes going on. Uh, We're also going to visit a cemetery and come across like some weird looking ghost thing called the Phantasm, I guess. Um, But then also we're going to like maybe also uh, reconnect with our old flame andrea beaumont who's like the baddest of bitches anyway whatever all that being said though uh today on today's show we're gonna be covering a little movie uh from 1993 called batman mask of the phantasm and i would like to start off with just saying uh merry christmas to everybody who is hearing this today because that's right this movie is actually a christmas release uh so i'm deciding to release this on christmas as well um but you know why the not but i could not do this alone because i don't know if you know this about me i don't know how you would know this listener you don't know me like that but i am not the hugest batman person i literally haven't watched many of these movies so i needed to bring in somebody who specifically also suggested this episode and suggested this movie but also is somewhat of a and more interested Batman fan than I am. So you've heard them on uh, our previous episode we did about the wonderful movie Adam's Family Values. Uh, but please welcome to the show uh, a new wonderful friend of mine, uh, Travis McMaster. Hi, Travis. How are you today? Hey, Jesse. What's going on? Stoked to be back. I'm waving my hands that no one can see that. Uh, but yeah. Merry Christmas. Yes. Beatings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and happy 30th or happy 30th birthday mask of the phantasm i can't yes. believe that um you know today christmas day is it's 30 mm-hmm. year release date i don't even think i planned that but there we go there you go <laughs> yeah so right. i got the the grays to, to prove it so excited to be oh, back God. excited to share my opinions yeah. on the film and Good. just talk about this freaking awesome movie so, oh, I know yeah. you, you are in love with it from what I gather. And, you know, I've seen you watch it a couple times and all that. So, yeah, um, I know with, uh, it's wonderful to have you back, Travis. You're such a, uh, wonderful light of energy, which is nice. Um, anyway, so I uh, know you brought this to my attention because, you know, as hearing me on the horror queers podcast and all, whatever. But, you know, getting to know one another and just talking to one another, um, you definitely were like, oh, hey, like, you know, would you cover like this movie or that movie or blah, blah, blah. So, of course, we did Adam Stealing Values. Wonderful movie. Lovely. But also you were like, would you also maybe do Batman Master of the Phantasm? And I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever watched it, but why the hell not? Because when I looked into this movie, it does have this kind of interesting like cult following i guess really um and we can get into just like how the series as a whole like kind of came to be and like how iconic it is obviously for a lot of animation fans but you know uh, so that's how it came upon my radar and for me at least i really had no history with like this movie at all i think i was just like oh, okay it's a movie that is based off of the cartoon that they had okay cool um but now that I've watched it, uh, per your recommendation and everything, I mean, I really do like this movie. I think I gave it a four out of five on on Letterboxd or something. I really did 
like the fact that uh first off andrea beaumont is literally the baddest of bitches like she's so ugh, amazing but also like i do enjoy the fact that you don't have to have been a batman fan to watch this either it's a really nice standalone piece i feel like um which just gets i've already been interested in wanting to watch the animated series and it's on my hbo watch list i don't care if it's still called max i call it hbo that's what i grew up with okay but uh anyway but uh i uh it's on my list to watch and it's just an undertaking to say the least but I think this movie, if anything, has bolstered the idea that I do actually want to watch that series uh, because I think this is a wonderful standalone piece. But enough of me yammering, though. Now, Travis, I want to know a little bit about your history with this movie in particular, maybe a little bit with Batman as well. Um, And yeah, why did you want to come on and talk about this? Because, you know, (laughs) I'd love to hear. Yeah. So my history, it's my history with Batman. I remember seeing uh the old live action show um that i think it's indication on tbs like when i'd be at my grandmother's after school or whatever when i was younger um but i so i was born in 85 so i was like that right age where like the animated series what was i had been like eight when it came out um but saw the animated series as a kid really enjoyed the animated series um and so you know trying to think back i, I feel like i saw this movie in theater like i i have this memory like either my mom and i going or my cousin aunt my mom and i when i was younger uh my my cousin and i we were together a lot because my mom and obviously her sister my aunt were together so we both watched it both loved it so i feel like we definitely saw it in theaters um probably over christmas break because again it's a christmas movie or it came out on christmas and so i just just loved it as a kid, right? I don't know if I've ever had it on VHS, but I did pick it up on DVD at one point. Um, and it wasn't really, I think, until 2017, like fast forward so many years later, when Funko released the um, the Funko Pop. They did like a run of animated series pops. And the Phantasm was one. And I, I'm like, oh, I love that. I need to have that. I actually have it. It's, I was going to pull it out, but it's, it's in my closet. I cycle through my pops, <laughs> right? So... Um, so uh, getting the pop, you know, rewatched it as an adult and was like, holy smokes, like this movie still holds up. Honestly, I think I appreciate it even more as an adult. Um, surprised by some of the story that, you know, they, they really dive into in this film, you know, because as a kid, I'm like, oh, the Joker's in it. And there's this other really cool villain. It's fun. But, you know, now as an adult, enjoying more somewhat noir stories, et cetera, you know, love it. Um, but then fast forward to 2020. I think it's 2020. Yeah, December 2020. Uh, horror Queers. You know, we're both fans of Horror Queers. You've been on the Horror Queers. They actually covered the movie. And so... They did. Um, I I probably listened to that episode at least, not exaggerating, at least 20 times. Like, I love it. I love the dialogue they have in that. And it really, like, sparked uh, so much in me, like, why I love the movie. And we'll, we'll get into some of that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, so I feel like my history, like I ha- saw it in the beginning, loved it as a kid, this big lull period. And now as an adult, like I love it. I watch it like semi-regularly in terms of fi- uh, letterbox. It's a five-star film. It is my, it's in my top four, uh, on my profile. Um, uh, I absolutely love it. 
Um, and we'll, we're going to get into that. So I'll stop gushing right now. <laughs> oh, no, of course. You can gush all over. It's fine. Uh, yeah, no, please go. At, um, anybody who hasn't already checked it out, uh, Horror Queers did a great episode about this movie as well uh, with uh, their friend Lizzie Travis, another Canadian. Um, but yeah, so um, and she's kind of like a Batman girly as well. And so their conversation is really good about just all of it. And also, in a way, I'm sure can get into a little bit of a... Uh, I also just think um, to to talk at least a little bit about the animated series a little bit. I just love and rest in power always and forever con- having Conroy because he is kind of the penultimate Batman. Absolutely. Really, you hear those snaps? Yes. Yeah, he is so good as this Batman character, um, and the fact that he again he recently passed away uh, earlier this year, if not uh, last year, but. Um, I mean, goddamn, like he is just uh, the fact that he's also a queer man. He was a queer man and was doing this, um, I think, also just adds to a queer element of this story, too. Um, and again, oh, real we quick. kind of talk about that. Well, actually, let's let's talk about that now, if you don't mind. Sure. I, yeah. So I got the um, I got the anniversary 4K mm-hmm. version, right? Um, I don't have a 4K player yet because I'm too lazy, but I had the digital copy. And on that, there is a... Um, like Kevin Conroy, I am Batman featurette, right? Mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. actually talk about that at one point that you know, when Kevin, of course, got the role, right? Essentially, he was a closeted um, gay man, and so this idea okay. of there's this closeted gay man who would know very well what it's like to live two different lives to mm-hmm. go on to play Batman, where you know, Batman and Bruce they live essentially two different lives. Yeah, it was just this really interesting connection. Of, like I never really considered that. You know, now, like, from my perspective, I think only queer people can be Bruce Wayne because of, like, really knowing that idea or living with, like, that dual, um, that dual life, you know, Mm -hmm. the dichotomy of that. Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, it was just like watching that that feature. I was like, oh, you know, I've never really considered that before. But Mm -hmm. yeah, Kevin, hats off best batman <laughs> oh so good oh, yeah and literally so, so many people have said it i mean like legit like um i love like will Fredell, for example you know eric from boy meets world and he uh obviously got to work with kevin conroy having been uh terry on batman and beyond and everything but like you know he's even said like you know he is like heaven's the only batman period and getting to learn from him and be able to grow with this character and like all this kind of stuff um and that was a, a hard thing for him is obviously a close friend of his, but like, you know, it, it's, it's just cool to me that, that, yeah, like this person was able to voice such an iconic character, um, which before that, I mean, the, the history I have with the Batman movies or anything like that, right. Was like seeing the first Christopher Nolan one, I think, I think. And then the, the, the Dark Knight, I think I've seen that before too, but I never saw like the Rises one. So I did not see Anne Hathaway in her like little, you know, a jumpsuit or whatever, right? I didn't see that, unfortunately. But, uh, but like before that, you have like George Clooney and his bad acting. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I mean, but Uma Thorman is, of course, everything like so camp, so crazy. Like those, those movies especially are very camp because they're made by Joel Schumacher. <laughs> 
So like, it makes sense. Uh, at least the Tim Burton ones did have a different feel to them. I believe I've never seen them, so I don't know, but that's what I hear. Um, oh, yeah, anyway, they, they are, they are two yeah. different sets. Like the Tim Burton, yes. especially Batman returns and then the Schumacher, but, um, oh my God, yes. of course. I, mean, I even love those as a kid, you know, but I, I guess full disclosure, I, I actually didn't start reading Batman comics. I think until, oh my goodness, like, three years ago mm-hmm. when I was like, Oh, I, I should probably check out the long Halloween right. the dark victories out the follow up just cause yep. I was never much of a reader as a kids. Right. Like I loved cartoons. Yeah. So I would watch cartoons. So like the right. animated series and like the things that came with this or like X-Men, whatever. So oh, yeah. I've got, I got my own catching up to do with it when it comes to Batman. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I think the, the one that I did was like, I, uh, I think I read, the um because i read watchmen before and watchmen as a graphic novel is great but uh i think i read i borrowed the killing joke from a friend of mine and i think i read it but i didn't understand half the shit like i was like okay what's this about you know it's like i don't know but um it was around that time of course anyway after the the Christopher Nolan stuff and all that kind of, you know, cause again, I was a teenager when those came out. So like very much about like, you know, I could have, well, maybe I couldn't have seen them in theaters. I think I was still a teenager, but still it was just one of those things where um that was my understanding of it. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I just think like uh, everyone has their criticisms about Batman, what's better and like all this kind of stuff. But I think overall, at least like, um, yeah, no, I, I think it is an interesting character, if anything. Um, and obviously it's an iconic one that so many people look into and look up to. So I'm down for that. Uh, but as we normally do on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about this movie in particular. We'll also uh, give a condensed history on how did Batman come to be? How did like the animated series come about as well? Because we got to talk a little bit about that because it is a continuation of it. And then also just talk about this movie as well um, and kind of just what we think and a little bit of a dive into like, what is the plot? What are the characters? Da, 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 da. Um, I did send you a nice little cheat sheet. So I'm going to read from that as well. Uh, so as yeah, we stated before, up. yeah. So as we stated before, um, this is Batman Master of the Phantasm that we are covering today. This was released uh christmas 1993 i was a year old i think um something like that and uh it's a 78 minute runtime so it gets in and gets out it does feel kind of like a uh extended uh episode of the series or something and we'll get into that but um it was distributed by warner brothers i guess specifically warner brothers animation i guess which i don't even know if like I think they did have it, of course, but it's a Warner Brothers movie, really, um, which is why you can find it on HBO Max uh, specifically. And this is a budget of about six million dollars is what we're looking at. Um, So in regards to like the numbers of the movie in terms of box office. So this did open at number one, technically, um, at least for the first couple of days, it was out uh, made about Five hundred thousand, uh, yeah, five hundred fifty-seven thousand one hundred thirty-four dollars when it first opened on Christmas. Uh, it made about five million six hundred seventeen thousand three hundred ninety-one dollars domestically. Made about mm, two hundred thirteen thousand like internationally, where it was like distributed. So it made about five million eight hundred thirty thousand three hundred ninety-one dollars. So for all intents and purposes, uh, it was technically a financial flop. Um, which doesn't exactly surprise me given how the release was, I think. Um, but it was praised though by critics and things like that, um, for just 
the story, how everything came about, all that kind of good stuff. Um, yeah, and then when we get into ratings, uh, this is 82% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it is a certified fresh uh, review uh, with about 57 reviews to aggregate that. And then it's about 88% with audiences with about 5,000 ratings from people who rated it. Um, so needless to say, I think this movie is at least beloved by the fans of it and it was cra- uh, praised by critics if anything um even though technically it didn't do that well financially um and then it sits at a four out of five on letterbox which is partly because of travis and people who love it like he does <laughs> like he do such a, <laughs> such a shame it that should be five stars i love like i love I it but i'm also i'm not good with stars <laughs> i like I either love it and i give it five stars mm-hmm. or i just don't even fuss with the stars I get it. Yeah. Uh, so when we look at the crew of this movie, so we have um, a dual directing uh, team. So we have Eric uh, Redomowski and then uh, Bruce Tim. So Bruce Tim specifically, he was the guy, if I'm not mistaken, who like directed all of the animated series. So of course he was brought in to do this. Um, but they did like some of the other things they did were like Superman, Doomsday. Uh, Batman Strange Days. Uh, they did a Monster High uh, New Ghoul thing. So this is a little bit newer stuff they did. Uh, oh, New Ghoul at School. Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, so they've obviously supported probably in the animation sphere more so. Um, so that's the director. Uh, and then the we have a... Oh my God, we have four different people writing this movie. So we have Alan Burnett, um, who I think might have been on the animated series. I feel like one of them came from it. Uh, Paul Dini, Martin Pascoe, and then Mike Reeves. So those are all the people who are part of the screenwriting of this. So they've gone on to do like uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans. Uh, they did uh, Batman Beyond uh, Return of the Joker. They did do that as well. And then also oh, Batman. Batman Beyond Return. Sorry, I had to because I love Batman <laughs> Return of the Joker. That movie is awesome. I'm when did it come out? Rewatch. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know, but I remember seeing it at like my aunt's house because like my younger cousin had watched it. And uh-huh. I was like, what is this? Okay. I love it. So Sorry. of course I bought that on VHS DVD. And then I got the iTunes version, which has oh. a slight variance in like, oh, I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but there is a scene that is different when they do the flashback. Um, oh, okay. but that's awesome. It's got such it. a good movie. Cool, cool. Nice. Um, yeah, I guess without, if you want to, in case, uh, without spoiling it, I guess, what's the basic idea of Batman Beyond? Does it follow Terry? Yeah, uh, Batman Beyond, uh, it follows Terry because he's got his own situation going on. He kind of becomes like the new Batman because he mm-hmm. like swipes the suit and it's in the future. So, right. um, my understanding of this, there are some references to like older characters. Mm-hmm. I want to say like Mr. Freeze might be like a fry- cryogenically frozen head because I remember having the action figure of Freeze because right. like I mean when the toys are cool I don't care how old I am like I'm gonna buy them right, right, um, right. but I I didn't see it too much because we didn't have WB or the CW whatever channel uh, okay uh, so the Return of the Joker is more like a flash in the pan moment for me mm-hmm. where I'm like I just love that Static X had a song on that movie which I love Static X is one of my favorite bands so. Nice. But I think I'm due for like a a watch of Batman Beyond since it is on HBO Max. Do it. (laughs) All right, cool. But yeah, so that's a little bit what they did. And also Batman Batman Gotham Knight is also they worked on as well. Um, So again, staying in that animation sphere. 
the composer wait, of this yeah. real quick just to jump in gotta give snaps to paul dini for being the creator of harley quinn oh really like, everybody loves harley quinn mm-hmm. uh, and yeah she was brought in from or through the animated series and of course she's gone on to be this great fantastic character yes um, and as far as i'm concerned margot robbie slayed that role and margot robbie's harley quinn movie was amazing and deserves <laughs> a sequel i'll get off okay. that soapbox now <laughs> oh god i mean i'm sure i mean margot robbie's everything she's barbie come on now i mean like obviously <laughs> like amazing although we got to give uh props to tara strong i mean obviously harley is like she's one of the best harleys out there i think but um you know she also voices every fucking buddy but it's fine um anyway shirley walker who i believe has unfortunately passed away soon uh or she's recently passed away but she's the composer of this movie and she has like just a list of things she's done so she is uh in my heart of hearts she is a horror composer kind of sort of she did uh pretty much all of the uh, at least the first three final destination movies uh she did the black uh christmas remake as well um she did ghoulies uh, escape from la and that's not even touching all the things she did um so shirley walker definitely uh gives snaps to her as well i mean uh because the music i think in this is really good too it doesn't feel like a uh I don't think it feels like a uh, uh, like animated score, if anything. You know, it just feels like a good score in general. Um, oh yeah, it, it's super standout. And she did like all the animated series. She was on mm-hmm. Superman the animated series. Like, yep. I, I love how much time she's given to to Batman. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. For, like the animated um, many like animated things that they've done with Batman. So absolutely um and then there's no cinematographer for this but i guess really uh wb animation is the one who made this really so you know um obviously they did like the animated series uh that is the space in um but also they've done other animated series as well um but this is kind of a way for them to get more into that and actually have like movies come out with this because again i don't think that before mask of the phantasm i don't really know what wb animation had really released so this is kind of a way for them to do that as well um but that's our cinematographer quote unquote but there's no actual cinematographer it's cartoon um so so it's more animation studios um anyway so then also we have the editor who is al breitenbach um so he was like he did a couple things like superman the last son of krypton and he also did like the old x-men uh pride of uh pride of the x-men uh which is i think i don't remember what that is exactly i like x-men kind of sort of like i i remember watching like um i watched the first three movies of that but I'm not a Marvel, I'm not a Marvel baddie. Okay. But like, I never got into all that, but the my extent is literally like watching the first three X-Men movies and then also watching like some of the old, uh, the, uh, newer ones as well. Uh, but Brian Singer's a piece of trash. So I can't completely watch all of those because it just makes me sad and angry. But anyway, so, you know, there's that, <laughs> um, but yeah, so with the actors of this movie as well. So that was our crew that we had and, and all that. But with our actors, I mean, we already sang the praises of Kevin Conroy, but that cannot be understated at all. Um, you know, this guy was a stage actor who had came out of, I believe, Juilliard. I believe that's what he came out of. And he um, really approached this role as like 
sort of like a Hamlet type, you know? And I don't think that really anybody else uh, did that. And, you know, Christian Bale, you're cool, I guess. But like, I don't know. You don't hold a candle to this guy. I'm sorry. Like, it's just the truth. Like, I can't, I don't know what to tell you. Like, it's just, oh, anyway. And again, Kevin, that real quick, that documentary that's on the, the Blu-ray, they talk mm-hmm. about Kevin's background and just, like that theater mentality and the Hamlet of it all. Uh, and it was again, one of those insights, like, Oh man, like that. It's so cool to hear like how creatives think, right. In terms of like their, how they approach things. Uh, right. So the idea of like, of course, Batman's story, Bruce's story is so tragic. So for mm-hmm. him to like tie it um, to you know, other things of tragedy, it's like, Oh yeah. Like, right. why would you not? Yeah. And, and again, when you have someone like, you know, I, well, I don't know. Maybe Michael Keaton was fine. I am so horrible. I have not watched these movies. I did not watch like the early nineties, late eighties movies. I think I've seen Batman and Robin because why wouldn't I have seen that? But like, you know, but I'm just saying some of these, Michael Keaton might've been fine, I guess. Right. But like, for example, like George Clooney is horrible in that movie like he's not that good as batman okay it's just the truth like you know and so but having someone ground this particular character and make him feel like a real dude and do a really good job with it it's just nice to see because you had some shit before that honestly so uh it's just nice to see that but yeah we love you kevin conroy well and i I love the seriousness that he took it yeah they're took into it as well. You know, in that documentary, he said, I guess he really wasn't a voice actor prior to that, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, just hear him like speak so passionately about wanting to just like do well by his craft. Right. right? And like, not really just kind of take it for granted as like a comic book character. Uh, and not saying that others have done that. Uh, it's right. Just, again, going back to like him, just like, being so into his craft and like really thinking big picture. Right. Like, I could I could listen to him talk about the role for hours. So no, totally, and I think that's that's what makes it a quality thing. You know, I'm not saying that George Clooney is a horrible actor in general. I don't think that, but as Batman, he wasn't that good. You know, but you know that doesn't mean that he was a bad actor in general. I love Keanu Reeves. He was horrible in Dracula. He was not very good. Okay, so it's just one of those things where it's like. You know, but it's nice to see someone take this seriously and actually do that. Whereas George Clooney, I just think it was just brought in, you know, whatever. But I'll get off of that soapbox though, because I could just go on about that. He is very attractive though. I'll give him that. Um, <laughs> so, have Mark Hamill is uh, the Joker in this. He was also the Joker in the animated series. So, of course, he would be in this movie. And in my notes, I just have uh, a zero, a dash, and a zero with like these big eyes. <laughs> because i'm like do i have to explain who mark hamill yeah or just like i i wanted to put like a little emoji or something because i'm just like do i have to explain who mark hamill is like really um the main thing people would know mark hamill for obviously is being luke skywalker in star wars obviously it's most what people know him from um however he has had a booming voiceover career including the joker he's been that for he was that for many of years, if not still probably doing it in some way. I wouldn't be surprised if he is. I don't keep on Mark, Mark Hamill like that, but you know, yeah. um, that's him though. <laughs> My understanding is that I guess um, with the passing of Kevin, it sounds like we might not get any more Mark 
um, as mm. Joker. I can't remember where I, I read or heard that, uh, but they like, they were a pair, right? Yeah. So I think I think that's what they really drew. Well, of course, like, through the years, worked together doing it. Um, but yeah, Mark Hamill's Joker. I mean, like, so is bad. the Joker. It's so bad. <laughs> He's also the Hobgoblin on that animated Spider-Man cartoon, which I remember <laughs> as a kid picking that up and was like, wait, that's the Joker's voice. How does this mm-hmm. work? Yeah. Um, and now I haven't seen it because all I'm going to say is I support Don Mancini first, but uh, Mark ended up being the voice of Chucky in the Child's Play remake. Oh, so. God. <laughs> but yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah so we all need a check okay i'm not gonna hold it against him but i'm like mm, okay <laughs> uh that's all we gotta say we support chucky in this house okay i haven't watched the new season yet unfortunately i actually have to watch the show in order to watch it I i've gotten to the like show the- Oh god, I love those movies though. Those movies are so goddamn good, and they were all made by a queer man. Damn it, that's important. Yeah, um, sign me up. G- give me all of Don Mancini's all of it. stuff. Hell yes, all of it. And so we pretend like that little remake doesn't really exist. Anyway, so um, but you know, we all need a check. I get it. Uh, then we have Dana Delaney who plays Andrea Beaumont, the baddest bitch in animation, like one of the baddest bitches. Uh, up there with joanna cassidy you know uh, what am i thinking of just the fuck <laughs> sorry <laughs> joanna cassidy uh obviously from Fruit frame roger rabbit is a human <laughs> i'm thinking jessica rabbit is who i'm thinking of <laughs> god anyway awesome. love it but yeah no dana delaney she's awesome she was from a tv show i believe um at one point but she also was in like um <laughs> She's been in an M. Night Shyamalan movie. She could say that. That's fun. Enjoyable. Um, the Wide Awake is the movie I'm referencing. It's the uh, the nun movie with uh, <clears throat> Rosie O'Donnell and um, Dana Delaney plays the mom in it and all that stuff. And again, she's Andrea Beaumont. She's also Lois Lane, too, for any Superman baddies out there. She's literally oh, yeah. that in the animated series for Superman, which is cool. And she's just done other VO work as well. I think she's a really understated actress, and I think she uh, she did a really good job with uh, Andrea Bowman personally. Um, I just we have, real quick. Yeah. I think it's I think it's cool too that she came back for Justice League. Now, mm-hmm. I love how like even some of the I mean, well, so did Kevin, but how some of these uh, actors in this original animated series or in like Mask of the Phantasm, you know, went on to play the character again in later roles. So yeah, love, they did love that commitment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think voiceover is just such a cool medium to be a part of. And I think it just, uh, there's some, there are some shitty people in it probably a little bit too, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of them are just like, so super cool. It seems like, and, um, I also had this, I, I didn't have the, it wasn't an argument or anything, but like, I definitely have this understanding or I have this at least thought that I think that especially, excuse me, with conventions, um, I feel like voiceover actors and a lot of people who go to conventions in general probably deal with this, but I think voiceover, especially, I think a lot of them handle their fans in such a great way um, and are really cool with them because at the end of the day, I think a lot of fans who go to conventions and who meet like, whether it's an anime voice, like person who dubbed it or somebody who's just done a lot of cartoon characters or whatever. um, When you can handle your fans that might be a little bit, 
kind of weird, awkward. Um, sometimes uh, you always have to kind of deal with that. But I think especially being cool with people who are like you know, with disabilities or who are on the spectrum and handling them with a really good um, grace and with a lot of grace and dignity and stuff like that and not making them feel othered or anything, um, especially since for people who are like on the spectrum or something like that, a thing like cartoons are really, you know, sometimes a big thing for people, which is why you go to these conventions. You want to meet these people who voice these characters that are really cool and awesome. And I just feel like voiceover actors have a really good understanding of that as opposed to maybe on-screen actors. Although some on-screen actors I'm sure do too, but I don't know. I think it's a different beast. I think it's a different, uh, it's a different thing. Um, Cause I think the fan bases are different too. I was just trying to think like I've been to a few conventions. Like what's those, the event used to come to maybe it still does in hunt valley is it monster mania it used to i think it's leaving hunt valley but i i don't know where it'll still be but yeah monster mania is the one in new jersey and pa you guys have oaks pa that's where you guys have it at i don't know where you're at so it's um but yeah monster mania is like our big one yeah i because like hunt valley used to be like an hour away from me where i was at in pa Mm -hmm, Um, yeah i'm trying to think I, i don't know if i've ever met any like voiceover folk at that i've definitely met a few like they wouldn't really go to that yeah they wouldn't really go to the horror one really unless they were in horror stuff um we did have comic-con in baltimore at some point and i'm sure also otakon when it used to be here as well um otakon was here forever and then it it moved away i think it went to dc somewhere um which is probably where you can still go to it or like wherever the hell it is but i don't know i just think it's a different kind of thing because when you have to deal with a bunch of like weird anime fans (laughs) you know i feel like when you can understand how to do that that can be pretty cool you know again no hate i'm just saying it's a little different um than dealing with a bunch of horror movie fans you know i don't know i'm sure it's a little different anyway back to horror movies though heart uh heart bachner who plays who the hell does he play uh he is in this movie though he is um arthur reeves who is the councilman in this movie um he has like a little horror movie thing so he was in uh terror train with jamie lee curtis uh in the 80s he is also in the sequel to urban legend which is urban legends final cut from 2000 as well um, but that's Hart Bachner. He's been like in all sorts of stuff though too like he's been in a bunch of different movies uh but he has had a bit of a I guess he's had some sort of like, you know, voiceover uh, thing as well. He's done a few different um, cartoons. I don't think this is just his only one he did. Um, he was in that horrible Carrie remake. That's nice. Well, good for him. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. So you have Hart Bachner. Abe Vigoda is in this movie. Um, he is the Weezer. He's one of like the mob guys, I guess. Abe Vigoda is like a celebrated character actor. He's been dead for a while um only thing i know abe vigoda for this is so horrible um so he is in the godfather like he plays somebody in the godfather only thing i know abe vigoda from is i think good burger from the 90s because he is in that movie specifically (laughs) i just love that but no he's he's obviously had like a storied career and he's like a really cool dude it seemed like but you know oh he was also in the stuff that's nice Hmm. cute and i also didn't realize this um but who the hell is uh what does he play uh chucky who's the guy in the beginning of this movie who 
spoiler alert we're gonna spoil this whole movie probably but uh he dies in the beginning i believe that is dick miller and we love dick miller in this house damn it do you know who dick miller is travis um so <laughs> i was telling my husband like prepping for this i'm like man there's like all these big names but, like i must be a terrible movie fan because i like some of these names just like don't stick out to me um but yeah my understanding though is like dick miller has done like 180 films like a lot he's yes. done so much stuff where i was even running down the wikipedia page i'm like what have i seen like i'm sure i've seen something so i guess it's where i sometimes i get myself in the little bubbles with certain films and then like everything else is just a blur <laughs> i guess yeah i mean like you know uh so he has been in quite a bit um I think the big thing for me is that he was like in like night of the creeps. He's also, uh, which is a nice fun horror movie from the eighties. He's also in chopping mall, uh, love chopping mall, but he's also like in demon night tales from the crypt presents demon night from the nineties. He's in that movie. He's just too. He's in both gremlins movies. Yes. Uh, yep. He's just, uh, he also originated the, um, Oh my God. What did he do? Oh, he originated the role uh, in A Bucket of Blood that would end up being the character that Rick Moranis played, if you didn't already know that. Um, <laughs> uh, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, so if you didn't already uh, realize, so... Um, yeah, so... Blah, 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 what am I trying to say? Da, da, da. I'm reading about A Bucket of Blood. <laughs> Hold on, wait a minute. Yeah, he's in that movie, um, so... Yeah, Bucket of Blood is this movie that ended up becoming Little Shop of Horrors, pretty much. Uh, you know, but it's just, yeah, I'm looking at that right now. This is not a uh, Bucket of Blood podcast or a Little Shop of Horrors podcast, but it could be. Uh, but yeah, no, he was in that as well. So he was he worked with like Roger Corman before and all this kind of stuff. So I think that's why a lot of people really loved him um, for that very reason okay i'm i'm wrong i'm sorry uh so he did not originate the role of what ended up being rick romanis's role but they were shot on the same sets though so bucket of blood came first then it was little shop of horrors which he also is in um like the original one uh that was that and then that became the musical as well so it's a fun little roger corman journey we went on for just some minutes uh, i wonder was he we love a journey what a journey dude why was he not in that is crazy he was not in that movie oh that's so rude why would they not put him in that musical anyway whatever it's fine but dick miller is amazing we love him i love him at least i, I came out speaking for you but uh you know yeah clearly clearly i dropped that ball <laughs> <laughs> you need to you, you like if your husband yeah like have your husband take you down dick miller lane and you know it's all it's all good okay um especially if he's aware of him too okay i like him already uh but anyway anybody who's a fan of dick miller is a fan in my book they're uh they're good to me anyway so a little bit about we so we went over like who the cast and all is but what, what was it what, go ahead one ca- one other cast thing um stacy mm-hmm. quiche as the yes. voice of the phantasm um mm-hmm. this is going to be another moment where I, i'm not as familiar with the actor's work but mm-hmm. I love the voice of the phantasm. Like it's such a cool voice. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's like, I think part of the whole package of why I 
Um, I like that character, but I guess we'll get into that later. Yes, we can get into that later. Yes, Stacy Keach, amazing. We love him too. Uh, at least I love him. Uh, he is, yeah, he's um, from different movies as well. Um, I mostly know him and Mark Hamill was in this movie too. Uh, John Carpenter's Body Bags from the early 90s. It's like a little anthology movie that was like an answer. It was Showtime's answer to Tales from the Crypt. And so it's a little movie you can find on like Shudder or something like that. Um, but it's an anthology movie. And so like Mark Hamill's in one of the movies, he's in one of the little shorts and also Stacey Keach. He's also in one of the shorts as well. Um, but yeah, he's like a storied actor, just like a character actor, dude, pretty much. Um, but yeah, he is the, uh, like you said, he is the voice of the phantasm, which super fun, super great. He's the voice of the phantasm. He's also Carl Beaumont. So I think he's the dad of Andrea Beaumont. Yes. So that's yep. cool. He's the dad. He's Wait, the dad. That means that means it's almost like oh, I guess it's not like Scream. I what well, I was thinking like while researching this movie, looking things up, I'm like, I think some of the reasons I like Phantasm is like the whole voice modulation. Because if it's um if it's Andrea that's behind the mask, she basically is using like the Scream 3 voice modulator to yeah. like speak as the phantasm. <laughs> right. Um, so I'm like, is that why I like this movie? Because I like <laughs> the ghost face mask and that whole thing and then there's this like phantasm and it's like in this cloak and has this unique mask i know voice modulator it's a whole thing Mm -hmm. yeah everything comes back to scream it seems like for me that's fair that's totally fair and yes also we already said spoiler alert spoiler alert the bad bitch is the villain at the end there you go um uh, yeah which Spoilers was which was bad. kind of uh, no you're good i already we already said it before so <laughs> if you got that far and you didn't already know this oh i was gagged too i was like wait a minute this bad bitch is like the bad guy oh no like it was a whole thing anyway but yeah so a little bit about so i don't expect you to give me all the history about who batman is but from your understanding travis since you are a little bit more of a, a fan maybe than i am um how how exactly did batman come to to be i assume that it was a comic series but do you have any background information about just like how did batman materialize if anything yeah um well i've listened to the the batman psychology book multiple times now so i feel like i should be like better versed in this but it started out as you know a comic character and um many years ago (laughs) uh and of course then like went on to like be in different media like television and then of course the animated series and through that of course had like a whole run of various villains and opponents of course then having a few like boy wonder characters a few love interests um because for those who don't know you know batman is bruce wayne you know bruce lost his parents um after they're killed in an alley and the pearls break and i feel like everybody knows that and quite honestly like this is gonna sound disrespectful i think but like if you don't like it's fine and i just want to say that i love this movie because it does not show that scene again right like there's so many other batman movies show the parents show bruce as a kid in the alley and i'm like oh so i love that this is like kind not an origin story per se but like it shows some of that backstory of Bruce figuring himself out as what becomes Batman, but it's, it's not that same trope again. So um, yeah, so that's, I guess a little bit of a background on Batman, of course, pop culture phenomenon gone on to 
You'll be a part of other movies, tons of merchandise, theme park rides, video games, lots of video games. I remember having Batman, the animated series video game uh, for Sega. I think I sucked at it. Like, I don't ever recall getting <laughs> past the first level, but yeah. Well, that was probably because it was Sega. Who knows? I think that's what that was. Man, shots fired. Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't, I liked Sega. It was fun. Sonic was fun. Yeah, Sonic was fun, but I don't know if Sega was like, like the Dreamcast was kind of dumb after a while. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Uh, no, I don't because I didn't have one of those. I only ever had like the regular Sega. And oh, then I was true. jealous of my cousin's Game Gear uh, because of that Surf yeah. Ninja movie. <laughs> Uh, right and then also uh didn't freddy have something like that a nintendo fucking glove or something some shit like that good knows how much i know uh Uh, but yeah no yeah yeah i mean like yeah you're pretty much right like and what's also interesting too about batman and and a criticism of him too uh i guess people could say is that he is also um well he's human okay so that's kind of big <laughs> he's not a super he's not a superhuman person he's not a mutant he's not any of these things so um but he's also just a white privileged rich man you know um so that also could be something where they're like you know oh well of course like blah, blah, blah. but um and that's fine that's fair but uh but yeah i don't know i uh I think the people who like Batman or they are interested in him is that, yeah, it is this kind of interesting double life that you lead as just a normal person. And, you know, you're just trying to, uh, if anything, you feel like you're bringing a moral good or you're doing something good, but at the end of the day, it's vigilante justice. You know what I mean? So there's also criticisms about that too with Batman, I'm sure. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess, do you have any particular, like, you might have mentioned it a little bit earlier, I guess, but is there any particular reason why you, what is the particular reason of you liking Batman, if anything? Yeah, so I think that when it comes to Batman, I think it's that goth aesthetic, right? Um, the city is always like dark or whatever. Um, I also, the, just some of the crime element. I'm drawn him by the villains. Of course, like I love, I love the dichotomy that, you know, he's brooding, he's angry, his outfits, of course, in all black, he's trying to strike fear, but then he has this colorful array of villains that he's fighting. Um, you know, and I, I was very much one of those people who I think was drawn in more of by the villains. Cause I just thought they were so interesting where like Batman is just kind of secondary Right. I think that's why I'm, like, I'm so excited when the Joker shows up in this. That, that's why I'm so excited when we see Phantasm speak. Uh, that's why like, the long Halloween, for example, is so much fun because it's just this array of villains uh, that show up and whatnot. Um, you know, I think this movie particularly, you know, why I like it so much is tied to that level of nostalgia. Like, again, I saw it as a kid. So, you know, sign me up because I'm really, really interested in rewatching stuff that I know that I love. Um but as I've gotten older, I've I realized I've I enjoy like tragic stories, and this is definitely another. Obviously, Bruce's Bruce and Batman that story is tragic with the parents, but like even with this story, like tragic love stories, I'm like, oh, I think I like I think I love the tragic love story genre. <laughs> you know, like he he wants to possibly give it all up for Andrea, but you know she has. Well, I guess we're spoiling it. So like, obviously, she goes with her dad, and um, you know, like he's like well i guess i'm gonna be batman and then she shows up and he's like i don't know what's going on are we are we not this or that 
And I think of WandaVision, that was a tragic love story. Just like sign me up for all those like heartbreaking moments. Uh, even like the Leonardo DiCaprio, Romeo and Juliet. I remember really digging <laughs> I was that just I was about younger. to say that. I was literally just yeah. about to say that. <laughs> and I'm due for a rewatch on that because that cast is stacked. There's was all kinds of people in that movie. <laughs> oh my God, um, Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. So I think in terms of Batman, it, interestingly, again, I think it's it's a bit more about the the interesting villains and Batman just happened to be the superhero that um, tagged along for the journey you know, between two face, like his dichotomy with the, like Harvey Dent as like his, his human self or like other side of that coin, you know, Mr. Freeze, what they did in the animated series. Like he's another tragic figure, a tragic love story. Right. Um, yeah. Just it's not all about the villains. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's fair. I really do think that's fair because at the end of the day, I mean, I I think with Batman, like, yeah, no, it's it's really more so. And I don't know if we already have that with a bunch of other superheroes, quote unquote. I think Batman is very much about like him fighting against these villains, but the villains are kind of the most interesting piece of it, you know. So I I completely agree with you. I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I would definitely well, say I, so. I, I think some of the that noir esque style that's in the cartoon. I'm a, like, I loved Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I still love Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And I love like noir parts of that. So you know, with this specifically speaking to the, the animated series, obviously it's, it's I don't know how many episodes exactly, but there's a lot of story to be told and just that Art Deco style. I just I love the style of the series. Like I've I've tried some of the other Batman series, you know, and I'm just like. Uh, I just, I can't get into it. I just love everything about like how they designed, how they styled the animated series. And let me know with this movie, it's in that same style. Like sign me up, like take me to this particular Gotham city, you know, in the 1940s with this aesthetic. I love it. Yeah, no, totally. I think, um, that segues really nicely as well uh, into, okay, so we have Batman as the character. It came out in 1939, I think, and he was a comic book character. And so then uh, in the 60s, they had uh, the Adam West show, which is really just campy more so now, but still kind of iconic. Like you have Adam West um, and his gay robin you know um but also like uh you have like eartha kit as catwoman and uh, the statues you know uh julie newmar obviously but like you know um so that's there as well um then i think you know you get into tim burton's batman iterations which love what are what are those ones again that's um batman specifically yeah, batman with uh, Jack Nicholson is the Joker. Mm-hmm. Or Michael Keaton is Batman. Right. And then Batman Returns, like, oh, the amazing Batman Returns with Michelle Pfeiffer. With Selena Catwoman. Kyle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And yep. Danny DeVito as the Penguin. Mm-hmm. And Christopher Walken as uh, Trass. Nope. My, I think I'm getting that name wrong. Something. Christopher Walken's in it as well. Um, sure. There we go. So those two, and then the other ones that are Joel Schumacher, which that one is Batman, Batman Forever. Re- Batman Forever, yeah. That was the first one, and then Batman and Robin came after that. Yep. Because those were the mid ninety ones. So there's that. Um, okay, so you have those ones. But then you have this one in particular. So uh, according to the wiki of this story, of this uh, show at least, the Adamant series. So this came out um, in 1992, September of 1992. Uh, it was on Fox Kids. Because back in our day, K 
kids, children, um, we had a little something called Fox Kids that was a programming block on, well, it was like throughout the week, I think. However, yeah. um, some of the big things. Yeah. Is it three, three to five or four to six? It was like a yeah. block of cartoons. It was it was awesome. <laughs> it was pretty great. It was actually pretty great. Um, I love Fox Kids for the wonder and the beauty that is the Goosebump show. Um, so that's just me, uh, which... Uh, at this point, Goosebumps actually was not on yet uh, when it was on Fox Kids. But yeah, Fox Kids. And then uh, it went to Kids WB from 97 to 99 when they did it. So, But this this whole thing, it lasted 92 to 99. They did about um, three seasons, 109 episodes. And so this took influence from the live action movies that Tim Burton did. So Batman, Batman Returns, and also the Superman theatrical cartoons from the 40s as well. Um, and so uh, Bruce Tim and Eric uh, Rod- Rodumsky, who were the guys who directed this movie, um, emulated the Burton films, quote, otherworldly timeliness, incorporating period features such as black and white um, title cards, uh, police airships, and a, quote, vintage color scheme with f- uh, film noir flourishes. So what you say about that with you liking noir stuff, it makes total sense that if you're still into that or you got into that as an older person, then it makes total sense why you would like this movie, maybe as a kid, if you liked that kind of stuff as well, especially if you were into any of those kind of old noir movies um, that are, you know, detective movies or like whatever the hell kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think as a kid, it was mostly like who framed Roger Rabbit. Um, totally. I didn't, see Dick Tra- I didn't see Dick Tracy. Actually, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I, don't, I think I saw Dick Tracy in 2020 when it was like, it was on, of course the pandemic is That's happening. Fine, baby. Was, That's like, fine. fine <laughs> Nobody's that judging you here. <laughs> yeah. No one's <laughs> judging you here. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it looks like everything, like the visual style of the series was based off of the artwork of uh, Radomski and then the gothic look of uh, Gotham City uh, were from his initial designs. So um, he also made a standing order that all the backgrounds in the series must be painted using light colors on black paper as opposed to dark colors on white paper. Um, and as you said, the distinctive visual combination of noir imagery and art deco design was dubbed dark deco so they use that kind of thing which is kind of fun love Um, that yeah and then music uh so they took a variation of what danny elfman did for the whole hurton movies um but of course they did bring in shirley walker as well because she was already a she already worked with elfman as well so it does it doesn't surprise me that like because she already worked with Danny Elfman before too, she was able to bring uh, her own style to this score on the TV show. And then as a result into this movie as well, um, which is good. But yeah, I think just even having like um, outright violence uh, in the movie or in the show as well, um, which you didn't always have with, you know, cartoons all the time. Um, Cause you yeah. could say, Oh, these things are violent. Like why should we be showing kids this? But I mean, it depicts this specifically, you know, having like firearms and, uh, you know, they got some resistance from studio executives uh, about this, but the success of those Burton films really let this series get off of its feet, if anything, which is cool. Um, but they did have a, uh, you know, they had some pushback about just like, oh, should we do this for this show that is specifically made for children? You know what I mean? Um but yeah, I think you could go on and on about it. But I think a big thing with it too, with the animated series, is it just didn't feel, from what I've 
gathered from people who are huge fans of it and who've watched it and obviously you have your own experience too travis but like with this it just felt like something different and i think if anything it felt more mature to a younger audience so maybe that's why they liked it um because yeah i think that was a huge part of it of why people could praise the series as like this was a huge groundbreaking thing because uh we can get into a little bit of animation history i did a little bit of this when i did the rugrats movie um but uh and as a kid who was born in the 80s you and me born in the early 90s um cartoons as we know them uh especially in the 80s was just a way to sell toys period that's what it was like there wasn't a whole lot of when it comes to and there are some great cartoons from the 80s don't get me wrong however a lot of those things were really made to sell merchandise it's just the truth and i loved it I loved it, right. But the story, the development of characters and story are not exactly the forefront of those types of shows. You know, Care Bears and He-Man and all this kind of shit, you know, all the stuff we, you know, all that stuff. It just wasn't, you know, that wasn't the gig, right? So when you have something like Batman the Animated Series, I think just the fact that it felt more mature it felt like something that was not being done at that time i think that's why kids were somewhat interested in it especially if you were already a fan of like seeing those batman movies or anything like that you're like oh shit there's like a show that i could watch that's literally made for me so like you know i i'm gonna go and pretty much eat that up which is awesome but and um, the toys I, oh sorry just to jump in and the toys were yeah. awesome i mean like I, I had a bunch as a kid you had the batmobile and like all the different arrays of Batman or even just even some of the villains that had their different yeah. suits or their different accessory or whatever. You're yeah. not going to even remember at a time being like, wait, why, how does, does this toy exist? I haven't seen it in the cartoon yet, but ah, who cares, right. whatever. I'm just going to play with my action <laughs> figures and have a good time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's a huge reason of why this is lauded as that kind of series is that it it just did something different because it really did focus on the development of the story, the development of the characters, um, the exploration of Bruce Wayne and his own psyche and all this kind of stuff. Um, whereas that was not really being done a ton. Um, and I would say the same thing with something like the Nicktoons, you know, um, the reason the Nicktoons, Doug, Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy, um, the reason that that was kind of a big deal for someone like Nickelodeon is because those were original cartoons that were made that were not based off of a toy and it was not based off an existing property either. As opposed to this is technically a um, comic. So, you know, but that's why the Nicktoons were pretty big because it's like, here's this original programming on a children's network that is made for kids. Um, but that's why that is those three things will be. Um, kind of go down in animation history in a way similar to how this show um and then this movie in a way but how this animated series also went down is that as well because it just felt a lot more mature for the children and um yeah and i think it also set a precedent for other shows moving forward as well because i think absolutely with having the animated series you wouldn't have stuff like obviously batman beyond and like other iterations of this but i think you wouldn't have the other um shows like 
something like a static shock or something like um a lot of those other kids shows that came after this um i think a lot of future animation teen titans you know things like that um i don't think you have those if you don't have this television show period that's the way i yeah. think of it at least well and uh, i even think about some of the other brands out there like, like the ninja turtles right so yeah i want to say that the original cartoon came out i think what was it, like the end of the 80s maybe early 90s but before mm-hmm. batman and then what was it like the early aughts when they like they did the ninja turtles again and like the style I think it was, was a little bit darker yeah okay yeah but like the style is a little bit darker there's a little bit more like animated violence if you will yeah um where it's just like okay like kids can stomach this you know and in some yeah, ways they can it's kind of like yeah it's like you will you expect that like your cartoon heroes gotta fight the bad guys like we're what yeah. are they gonna do like sit down and have coffee with them and be like you know what right. i don't think that's a good idea yeah you have to see it and and plus also and yeah i think that's a huge reason of that as well um so yeah so this show if anything did very well um and it got a bunch of daytime emmys and all of this good stuff which is wonderful um so we've talked about at least the show as well it's still on my list to watch i it's an undertaking though like because literally it's only three seasons so the first season is literally 60 something episodes and that's a fucking lot okay <laughs> just is but i know it's worth it though i oh my god it's like this and avatar like those are like the big ones i really want to watch and i know that they're worth my time from what i've understood uh from what people have told me and like whatever but like yeah i i can understand that um do you have any sort of before we move into mass of the phantasm specifically do you have anything to say about um batman year one or batman year two as the comics at all or do you have any background about that at all um no again i just i really haven't gotten into too many of the comics and i i've really been trying to find the stories that are like uh just a, a plethora of villains you know what i mean yeah you know, like darkwing duck like i love the villain heavy <laughs> episodes of that cartoon like the fearsome right. five so yeah absolutely uh but yeah so master of the phantasm though so this was produced between the first and second seasons of the batman animated series um and so this was inspired by uh, the comic book batman year two um but features an original uh, prota- uh antagonist called the phantasm in place of what with the reaper in that show or sorry in that um story um while borrowing elements from the batman year one graphic novel um recounting how bruce wayne became batman and his first attempts to fight crime which we do see in this um movie in particular uh so apparently this was originally planned as a direct-to-video release so this was not supposed to be theatrical but warner brothers decided to give it a theatrical release um so this made it so that the production went into an eighth month schedule and i don't know if you know this travis or listeners if you know this um making a cartoon is fucking hard okay and it takes a long time so yeah if needless to say um i'm sure that um making this movie probably was not the most fun thing to do because it was shortened because they were like let's put it out to the kids at the theaters i'm like that's that's great okay (laughs) but it was the first uh theatrical film release um produced by warner brother animation and it was released through the studio's family entertainment um division 
And again, it got generally positive reviews, uh, which uh, praised the stylized animation, the voice performances, and the story and the music. Um, But due to its decision to release it in theaters on such short notice, because again, they didn't exactly have, you know, yeah, because how do you do that? Like, I mean, again, I don't know how, right? Yeah, that's no time to market it. Yeah. And then also, like, I don't know when this was in the can, you know what I mean? But like, at the same time, you're like, that also, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't know if this might have been a fun movie to like, uh, work on because again, I think it was the fact of like, oh, we're going to release this in theater. So now how do you have time to even market this and have kids know about it? I guess, you know, but. Yeah, because of this, uh, it failed at the box office, like I mentioned earlier. Um, but it did become successful on um, home video, though, because Come when on kids home video, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, so there's that, and then also, um, oh, and it wasn't until the Batman: The Killing Joke in 2016. This is the only Batman movie, um, animated Batman movie, that was given a theatrical release, um, as well as the only one to actually receive a full theatrical release until the Lego Batman movie in 2017. So for a while, this was the only um, animated Batman movie that ever got released in theaters. Uh, So that has a fun little distinction to it as well. Um, But yeah, but I mean, really, what can I go on about? Do you have anything to add about that before I go into anything else? I mean, I guess just from like a story standpoint, it was interesting to learn that the animated series episode, The Trial, was going mm-hmm. to originally be the movie. Right. Um, and the idea that it was like too brainy and, you know, with Batman, because he's you know, strapped to the chair in that episode because he's on trial from all his villains. Mm-hmm. Um, man, how interesting like for that to be the original idea of a movie again i i kind of see it because you have all these villains right like people love a good villain show but i think they were wise to just kind of scrap it and you know maybe make that a, a tv episode instead of the movie because i think what we got mm-hmm. is super dope <laughs> right right totally so i'll talk a little bit about this just from the production of it so they were impressed by the success of the first season um so Warner Brothers assigned Alan Burnett to write the story for a full-length animated feature. Uh, the original idea for this was to have Batman be captured by his enemies at Arkham Asylum and to face a kangaroo court um, in which the villains try him for making them um, what they are. So the idea, like you were saying, the trial is that episode that's on there. Um, so this was too brainy, apparently, as it required Batman to be immobile for a long time. So the idea was later than used in the series episode, like you said, trial, which was after this release. Can I share just one thought? Because like since sure. learning about that, I had been thinking like, I think there's still would have been cool ways to go about that, right? Because there's an mm-hmm. animated episode where it's called Almost Got Him, right? So in that episode, Joker, Penguin, Poison Ivy, Two-Face and Killer Croc, they're all playing cards and they share stories of how they almost captured Batman, mm-hmm. right? And th- that involves like flashbacks to these other stories that we've never seen because they're telling these stories for the first time. And so when learning that the, the trial was originally supposed to be a movie, it kind of got me thinking like, well, damn, I kind of wish I still would have maybe done a longer version similar to that almost got him episode. Like, it, I think it would have been cool to, you know, have Batman be on trial and then you're interviewing like, the Riddler, for example. But then mm-hmm. like they flash back to his story. So taking like what they did for almost got him, applying it to that, the trial type series, I just, there could have been some fun creative things where now i'm like oh what if 
what like again what if it was like this and what if they would still do it that way uh, totally yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. But i'm also end, looking they made a good i'm choice. also I'm also looking right here uh, at Batman Beyond Return of the Joker on Max. It was in from 2000. This movie was literally rated PG-13. What the hell? Okay. Oh, yeah, that goes, I think some of that goes back to the, uh, the flashback scene or sequence um, and some of the, uh, the violence that's happening and that it. happens in that movie. I won't spoil it because we're not here to talk about Return of the Joker, <laughs> right. uh, but it definitely, especially the digital release, earns that PG-13 rating with some of the, the body horror and Fair. things that go into it. Fair. So check that out. Check it out if you're a Batman fan, if you haven't already. It's on HBO Max if you have that service. Um, so anyway, although the Joker does play a pivotal role in the movie, it was Burnett's intention to tell a story far removed from the TV series regular rogues gallery. Um, so Burnett also cited that he wanted to do a love story with Bruce because no one had really done it on the TV show. So he wanted, a, 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 I wanted a story that got into his head. So members of the creative team had claimed that he, they did not intend for the Joker to appear in the film. Uh, Paul Denny has contradicted this, stating that the Joker's role was always part of the story from the beginning of the film's production, and the writers were highly cautious of placing the Joker in the film. They didn't want any connection to the 89 Batman, though. Uh, but Michael Reeves, writer, um, says that, quote, we then realized that we can make his appearance serve the story in a way that we can never could in live action. So to keep the Joker as a solo threat, uh, Bruce Tim and Burnett, they convinced frequent um, animated series uh, writer Denny to not use Harley Quinn in this movie. So that's why she's not in there technically, although her um, at that time, at least uh, Arlene Sorkin um, did a bit part of this film, you know, uh, voicing a minor character who i think she was one of the voices of her i guess i guess before tara strong did it uh but yeah so here's that whatever oh no arlene sorkin wasn't she the um oh my god i'm such an idiot wasn't she the live action harley quinn and like one of the old ones maybe oh i couldn't tell you oh god look at me i look like an idiot that's fine You can can edit this chunk out. (laughs) I know. Edit the chunk out if I'm going to edit anything. Uh, No, you're good. Oh, she was originally done by Arlene Sorkin. Okay, never mind. I was right. Um, I was like, wait a minute. Like, she has to be a part of this work. So Tara Strong did take over for Arlene Sorkin. So she is in this movie, though, technically, Arlene Sorkin. Um, Anyway, so blah, 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 blah. What else? What else? Yeah. So, you know, they went in and they took, like I said, Batman year two, Batman year one, all this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So early in production, they decided to release this theatrically. This left less than a year for production time. Most animated features take well over two years from finished story to final release. And so because of this, um, the animators went over the scenes in order to accommodate the widescreen theatrical aspect ratio. And they cooperated while granting the filmmakers a large amount of creative control, which is good. Um, and they gave it $6 million, which gave the filmmakers opportunities for more elaborate set pieces. So, yeah, like, that's how they did, like, the CGI, like, Gotham City in the beginning, which is, like, really dope. It's, like, really good. Um, and did you notice that it that it actually goes backwards, the camera it motion? Does. It does. It's super yeah. rad. It's super rad. So, yeah, they did this in eight months, which, again, is fucking crazy. My God. The stress. Uh, that's the stress. It has to have been stressful. I swear to God. Like had to have been like that's just not yeah don't do that to your people please 
try your best not to do that to your animators because then they're gonna like want to rip their hair out but yeah i mean yeah and i think this movie if anything like we were saying a little earlier i mean like so if you had to um travis uh if you had to give a plot synopsis of this particular film to maybe somebody who's never seen batman or, or whatever um and again you can we could spoil it we're gonna spoil this shit but um how would you describe this movie to somebody who maybe has never seen batman or who might be interested in being like hey i'm interested in maybe getting into it but like what's this movie about so stay away from spoilers but then we'll get into the actual spoiler of it yeah so um i just smacked my glasses so hopefully that doesn't make a lot of noise but uh my plot synopsis of this yeah and this is me kind of i didn't think about it from uh not knowing batman right but still I feel like everyone knows who Batman is at least, but my sure. plot synopsis is, you know, this is an animated Batman tragic romance story, which mm-hmm. ties an old flame and her family to a recent batch of connected murders sparked by a mysterious character. There you go. <laughs> it's a great way of putting it. Like, I think, yeah, that that's basically what that is. I mean, if I was to say like, yeah, Batman is getting into, uh, you know, his old tricks again. Um, and, yeah there's like he gets in love with or sorry he begins to fall back in love with like andrea beaumont that whole thing goes crazy and yeah shit ensues and then things get crazy things get weird (laughs) and then there's a twist in the end as well so you know that we already kind of talked about anyway but um but yeah i mean those are kind of the big my God, there is, this is a long plot summary. Jesus Christ. But you know, that's cool though. Yeah. But if anything, so yeah, like the, if I was just sort of give the plots, the synopsis of this. Um, so yeah, Bruce Wayne, Andrea Bromont, they begin a relationship um, after meeting while Bruce visits his parents' grave and she's visiting her mom's uh, during this time. He is trying to, so again, this goes into the lore of like how he became Batman or, Really, like, he already, we already know how he became Batman, but, like, how he started fighting crime, I guess, was also in there as well. Um, so, yeah, she leaves Gotham with her father, though, uh, ending the engagement that she had with Batman. And so he then... So this happens before he becomes Batman, I guess, really. He's trying to be a crime yep. fighter, but he didn't become Batman until a few years after having fallen in love with Andrea and all this. Yep. Anyway... 10 years later, Chucky uh, Soul, who is um, Dick Miller in this movie, um, he is thwarted by Batman. He tries to escape in his car in the beginning. The Phantasm, who is a masked vigilante, who resembles a Grim Reaper, attacks him, and um, he attempts to kill this guy with his car. However, they dodge it, and then Chucky dies uh, in the beginning of the movie. Um, So witnesses say that they see Batman at the scene, and they believe that he killed him, pretty much. And then Arthur Reeves, who is Hart Bachner, um, he was once a lawyer for the father of Andrea Beaumont. He says, okay, I'm going to have him arrested. And so, yeah, all these murders are happening. So really, um, the Phantasm is killing these different, like, uh, gangster people, mob people, if you will. A couple different people. (laughs) Associates, yes, exactly. Um, So bitches getting killed. All right. Um, and so then uh, Batman is now. Um, what's Batman doing? How does the Joker come into the story again? I'm trying to so remember. Batman's, 
Batman's on the hunt to try to figure out all these murders, yeah. right? Because the yeah. ghost of Christmas past is, you know, making exactly. things happen. Exactly. And so Joker comes in the past because, yeah, I guess this movie kind of serves as like an unofficial, you know, alternative Joker origin, if you will, because it Kinda. shows like the the driver for this mob group back in the mm-hmm. day when Bruce was younger. Um, but that driver ends up becoming the Joker. He's got that recognizable nose. Oh, yeah. Uh, I feel like it's recognizable if you're familiar with the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then we learn, and I, I love that. Like this, even with this movie, like I'm like picking up things for the first time because like I, I was really paying attention because I knew we were going to be talking about it. But sure. um, they, Andrea and her dad, you know, they go off to Europe and whatnot. And that one day she mm-hmm. comes home. And her dad's dead, but the driver's there. Yeah. So it's the driver essentially who like killed the dad, right? So now fast forward, she's got to get the Joker because that's who the driver became. So mm-hmm. he's like the last cog in the puzzle. But at the same time, the um of Sal, like Sal, of course, like goes to the Joker for help. And then you know, Joker has a good old time with that. So yeah, that's how the Joker is involved, because he was a part of yeah. pre-joker he was a part of this group exactly exactly he was in there somewhere um we end up finding out though with all this being done we find out pretty much at the end of this movie because there's a whole uh it's not a rampage but it's like uh there's this whole thing at uh an abandoned what is it like an amusement park kind of sort of yeah, the world the world's fair it's like the there you go world's fair yeah uh, property yeah but we find out though at the end of this when you know joker's doing his bullshit and batman's like i didn't kill anybody like i didn't do these things like somebody set me up um we find out that actually this whole thing the phantasm themselves is none other than andrea beaumont which we already spoiled you know a while ago but uh yeah and what was her reasoning for being the phantasm again why why is she the phantasm <laughs> why was that a thing <laughs> I think it's just more of like a having like a fallback personality to go off of, you know, and she kind of sure. kind of tries to make it seem like it's her dad. Right. But of course her dad has been killed yeah. prior to that. And I don't even think, you know, as a regular viewer, I think you can kind of quickly put together that it's probably her, you know, maybe okay. like there is that voice modulation that Phantasm's using obviously to sound like the dad. Um, and maybe this is like my adult brain. Right, like I can't remember as a kid the first time I saw it, I was like, "Whoa, it's Andrea!" Holy smokes! Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I feel like the audience is with the Joker because the Joker puts it together really quick. Um, right. Unlike Bruce, but that's fine. You know, sometimes we <laughs> we have bad days at work. Um, sure. So yeah, so I think the costume of the Phantasm was just like a fallout thing, so she could get her revenge. Mm-hmm. And still move on with their life, but not then be burdened by, you know, taking out these mob people that took out her father. That's true. That's fair. Yeah. And then, you know, Andrea dies at the end. So boohoo, sad. The Joker does, does not she? die. Does she? I mean, hey, we're to assume that she does, but you're right. We don't know that. Do you, you can assume. I don't know if she does or not. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just like horror movie rules. We didn't see a body. So like she could be around and there's that necklace that ends up falling into the bat cave. So that's true. Oh, all right. 
I guess we're to assume. I guess we're to believe that she might be. But oh, you're right. Oh, never mind. <laughs> what do I know? You're all good. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's I, supposed to be that. Like, the whole world's fair is like falling down around them when she goes into that cloud of smoke. So like, I guess That's you can true. kind of assume. But sure, yeah. Horror right. movie rules. We didn't see a body. They're still alive. There you go. There you go. Uh, but yeah. So and then. Bruce is back on his bullshit and he's going to make a whole new series of his, or he's making a whole new season of the show. <laughs> so yeah. that all happens too. <laughs> yes. But yeah. So, I mean, that's the basic idea. So do you have any particular like kind of, um, I'm trying to think, cause like with characters, I think the big thing with it is that there's like kind of the trifecta of Batman, Andrea Beaumont, and then the Joker. Those are kind of like our big three characters in this movie. So talking about the other characters doesn't really serve that much of a purpose because it's really just about these three, really. Um, I don't have much to say about them. I just think Andrea Beaumont is a bad bitch. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> she's just well, like... I, uh, I, before we get to the trifecta, because I agree, they're probably like the top tier villains. Or not villains, but like characters. Um, yeah. I love... <laughs> this is a silly thing but with alfred you know i love that in the in the past he has like all black hair and mm-hmm. this is the first time watching it where when he's then like you know older alfred it never occurred to me that while he has his gray hair he still has a black mustache mm-hmm. and watching it the other night i'm like oh this is giving like total john waters vibes right because like you know, john's obviously <laughs> right. older now but he still has his nice pencil on mustache and i'm I know like that is definitely not a thing that's happening. These are worldly, very big difference in time when they're happening. But now I'm mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, like Alfred's totally inspired by John Waters. That's what's happening. In my brain, that is what's happening. <laughs> with him still that. having this sharp black mustache, despite being an older gentleman with gray hair. Hey, you know what? You do what you gotta do. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. no, there, there's definitely the um yeah, no, totally. I, I can agree with that. And I also just think like it is just the trifecta of people because obviously like the villain in this piece is Joker. And then like you have Andrea Beaumont and Batman, obviously, but I don't know. Like, do you have anything to say about, do you have any particular standout of like, do you have any particular character in this, in this movie, I guess that you just like really just like bang with and that you're just like, Oh, like, I don't know. Yeah. What's your favorite character? I, I think it is a mixture between probably Phantasm and the Joker. And like I've always enjoyed the villains more. You know, yeah. with with Phantasm, as I mentioned, I think in like hindsight, I'm like, holy smokes, it's kind of like a ghost face thing, right? Voice mm-hmm. modulator, different mask. You know, I love that aesthetic. Um, mm-hmm. I don't. I think my personal style is. Uh, I mean, I, I wear all black all the time because it's, it's easier to put together. Because <laughs> it's easier to you know assemble outfits, but like that, like the robe, and I just think the mask looks super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like I, I would say, the Joker is a favorite because I, I like the Joker episodes are some of my favorite episodes from the series. Mm-hmm. I mean, even this this movie, I think I even talked about this on the Adams Family episode that I was on. Like, there's some like standout quotes that like I I have said, you know, like the mm-hmm. whole laugh and when joke. So when um when phantasm is at sal and you you get that that horror moment where sal's all like geeked out from the joker toxin Mm -hmm. and there's the camera and and joker's just like oops jokes on me like 
I have said that phrase. I know because of this cartoon. <laughs> Yeah, you know, right. and the whole like you can't be too careful without with all those weirdos out there. It's just it's so funny to me. It, um, just the the one liners I, I think are so good. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's kind of neck and neck between those two villains or characters, just because they're so different. And I, I I've just kind of like taken little nuggets mm-hmm. uh, I think from them as like my own way of kind of one entertaining myself and then with some of the one-liners trying to entertain others right so sure no totally that's fair yeah i mean like for me like andrea beaumont's just like a bad bitch but i also like how she is the villain in the end kind of um it's just such an interesting twist in a way and i wasn't expecting that either um because i don't i don't know the show like that so for me this is kind of a cold watch where i was just like okay i don't know anything about this but for me to see that like oh my god she's like just looks really good um and i'm gay and i like you know <laughs> i like badass women like there you go it's just shocker but like you know she, uh, she is badass she's so badass like she just looks so good but she is also like yeah she's a villain in the end like she is somebody that it's such a it's such a uh misdirect if you will but i kind of liked it though because i was just like oh okay cool and there is a reason for that obviously of course but, but yeah i i just uh god love you andrea beaumont you're great um but can we since we're talking about like the trifecta of sure batman andrea and joker can we talk about the ending real quick sure so you know like when they get to the world's fair and you know joker almost gets andrea with the fan and then the batman mm-hmm. shows up with his motorcycle crashes the fan he's like oh andrea like what are you doing and andrea's like dude look in the mirror right like you know, we are very similar in our mm-hmm. our goals here. And then, like, she goes away, and then Batman goes after Joker, and it's the classic mm-hmm. Batman versus Joker. I wish... <laughs> this is, like, another what-if thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think it would have been more interesting if Andrea would have stayed and had been a part of that fight. Because, like, I'm imagining, like, you know, Andrea wants to kill Joker, so that's what she's going to try to do. Mm-hmm. Batman's probably going to try to save Joker because he doesn't believe in killing, but then still trying to stop Andrea because he still cares about Andrea. Mm-hmm. And then I think Joker's just going to be Joker and Joker's going to Joker. Uh, right. Yeah. So I, I'm always just curious, like what, what would that have looked like of this battle of trying of these three people fighting instead of just Batman and Joker. So uh, it's just one of those little like sit and wonder like how that have played out. But I think it could have been, more interesting to have that you know be this like triple threat headliner you know to speak in like wwe terms mm-hmm. um because i i don't know like it is a bit of a bummer that her and batman talk she goes away batman fights and then she shows back up just to nab him like right uh, i don't know i just that, with that amusement park the jetpack right i so many things make me wonder like how oh, like three people fighting all with various different goals, I think could have been really interesting. And, you know, listeners, I'm like moving my hands around as if like everyone can see the characters fighting. (laughs) No, it's really good though. And I think that's fight scenes really good at the end though. Like the ending to this is, uh, yeah, it's quite a serve. I, I think it's just like, it's cool to see these people kind of fighting. And like you said, like Andrea kind of goes away at some point. It's just like Batman and Joker, obviously, uh, fighting, but but yeah, no, I, I do. I think if anything, like, do you have any kind of particular standout scenes that kind of are like, 
you know, except for the ending, because we already talked about it a little bit, but are there any other kind of like standout scenes to you? I'm just like, wow, I really loved how they did that. I would say the ending for me is pretty cool, but I also just like a lot of the kind of death scenes, I guess, if anything, um, because they are just like really fucking creepy. I think, you know, and um, the fact that this is a PG movie as well, but like, I, yeah, like when you have like the one guy in the cemetery who comes across the phantasm and then um, that's like a really striking one to me as well. But do you have any particular standout scenes that you think of that you're just like, wow, that rips? <laughs> uh, I don't know necessarily like certain scenes, but more like like things that end up happening. So what I mean by that is um like the blood i want like the blood that they show in this mm-hmm. i it is such a standout to me because it's like oh yeah that makes sense and i remember even seeing it as a kid thinking like that makes sense like batman and joker they just hit each other they just went on this wild ride there should yeah. be a little bit of blood where like after then seeing this it's like well why is it not in the cartoon you know i've come to realize why it's not in the cartoon because you know you can't really have cartoon characters bleed on the, the African block of cartoons, but you know, that right. so like that was a visual thing, like here where I'm like, okay, that just makes a little bit more sense. It helps ground it a little bit more. Um, I think because it's 2023 now, uh, the idea of seeing like gangsters smoke is going to sound mm-hmm. so silly, but like it was almost refreshing to see see people smoke in these movies, where it's like, yeah, because like that's what they would have done. Like that's what it was like, uh, you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh yeah, actually no. I, th- I would say one of the standout scenes. There's two. Uh, of course, when Phantasm shows up at Sal's, you know that that jump scare, that like really you know creepy moment of Sal being intoxicated uh, by the Joker's poison, and, and then that's all deformed, and mm-hmm. you know, Phantasm's got to run. You know that. I believe that leads into that chase scene with Batman. You know, mm-hmm. it was like I thought it was so so fun to see Batman be hunted. At that point, yeah. and how he takes all his, his cape and cow and uses that as a distraction to get away from the cops. And, of course, Andrea helped save him there. Um, and then even, like, the Councilman Reeves, that whole interaction with the Councilman and the Joker and you know him kind of being a smart-ass to Joker, you know, and then, you know, Joker's like, you know, obviously, like, we are... <laughs> you're not getting rid of it that easily, right? And so when that scene ends by him saying like, you know, let's you know put a big smile on that face. And we cut to Reeves being in the hospital. He's, he's been text- in- infected by the, I guess the laughing gas, of the Joker. And he's just laughing. So manic, so manic in his laughter. But then when Batman shows up, I, you know, I think this is like the one time, you know, and I don't have every episode of the cartoon burned into my brain, but like, right. it was always interesting to me that Batman doesn't actually save Reeves in that moment. Like he just lets him lay you know, mm-hmm. with the laughter. I mean, it's the hospital team that tries to, you know, inject him with some type of um, antidote to get him from laughing. And I think, um, oh, and I'm blanking on the, the actor's name who who plays uh, Arthur Reeves. Oh, Hart Buckner. You know, Hart the, Buckner, yes. H- how, like, I think he did a great job of that, like, laughing really hard and still talking through it, uh, the mm-hmm. way that sometimes you, you experience with people. Um, so, and as someone that loves to laugh, I guess that's like a standout thing. Cause like, I've definitely been, obviously this, this dude's not been with friends and laughing really hard, having a good time, but mm-hmm. yeah, it, it sounded so real is the point I'm trying to make with, with the way Hart, you know, portrayed the laughing and trying to talk over the laughing. So, right. um, totally. yeah, yeah, I think those are some of, 
some of the big scenes that kind of stick out for me. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think like, you know, if anything, this film is just something where it, it's a nice um I think if anything, it's just a nice standalone film for Batman. Um, even though did it need to get released to theaters? Probably not. But the fact that it did is fine. Um, but I do think it's a it's a really cool way for people to get introduced to the series um, without having to have actually done the work in watching it. But I guess if anything, even if you did watch the series, it's a nice kind of, you know, it's a nice dessert to get. If anything, if you already were watching the show at that point, Oh, cool. I get to see this movie. Like, and that's awesome. But even if you've never seen the movie before, if you've never seen the show before, you could at least be like, Oh, cool. Like, what is this? And Oh, I liked that. I banged with that. Oh, there's a whole television show I can watch. Oh, let me get on that. You know, so yeah, you have something to say. Uh, I, I, I want to just say absolutely to your point, uh, but then also one other scene I almost forgot to mention. Mm-hmm. I call it the Sal hires Joker scene, like when he goes to the amuse or the World's Fair park mm-hmm. and meets up with Joker. Um, you know, having now watched it this time around, it it, it kind of radiates the Killing Joke vibes. I think mm-hmm. you know when. In that story, the the guy selling the amusement parks talking to Joker, and they have just some interesting back and forth, you know. And it ends with, like a spoiler, the guy selling the amusement park, you know, gets yeah. it. Um, but in this movie, you know, when Sal goes to Joker, it's like a last resort. Joker obviously knows that. I love the line when Joker's like, um, you know, what's an old timer like you want with a two timer like me? Like I just think it's so right. smart, it's so funny. Um, and so, like, I, I like how. I like how this time it like they, when it's not Joker causing a scene, you know, it's like Joker's mm-hmm. brought in because he's needed as like a a resource essentially to go after what they think is Batman. That's fair. Killing the other mob members, but I just I I like those as much as I love Joker being like zany and wild. I just like how sharp tongue he is when he's interacting with like other mobsters or other people, and it just really shows kind of like some of his intelligence. And I, I don't know, maybe just as a, as a queer person, I love a, a sharp wit, bitey comment. <laughs> like, yeah, I love her. Totally. So yeah, yeah I think absolutely. I old timer, two timer. I'm like, Oh, that's so much fun. I love it. Yeah. It always brings a smile to my face as silly as I it love is. That. I love that. Yeah. I was going to ask too, because you did bring up a little bit and we'll, we'll start to kind of wind down a little bit i guess or or start to wrap up a bit but i did just want to ask uh kind of what you thought of this um we mentioned a little bit earlier about just some of the queer things that people could read off of like batman in in general i guess um but if anything like what 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 why do you think that there are queer people out there who like batman and can really get into this character um I want to hear kind of your thoughts on that. If you have any of those, um, again, we, we talked a bit about it earlier, but I, I just wanted to see if you wanted to flesh any of that stuff out. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess besides the duality of like Bruce and Batman living two separate lives, Mm -hmm. I I guess a few characters have that, of course, Catwoman, Selena Kyle. Mm Um, you know, I, I guess speaking for myself, you know, I'm not going to speak right. for the entire community. Um, but, you know, I, I think from like the villains, like the, the over the top or just like the big personalities, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's all this energy 
know, I've always been someone that has a lot of energy and a big personality. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that doesn't necessarily relate to queerness, but, um, you know, I think like the extravagance behind these characters and the yeah. look, the aesthetic, you know, I think might come to that. Uh, you know, I think of like the clock king or the guy that mm-hmm. has the puppet, you know, they're just wearing you know, like basic suits and it's, you know, it is what it is where, Right. Yeah, I think of, obviously Joker has this purple suit. It's uh, very like it's flamboyant in some ways. The okay. Two Face has his like two tone suit. The Riddler has a suit. Um, there's this, this flamboyancy, um, this again larger than life personality that sticks out to me. Um, mm-hmm. That I, I I just I think is fun. Again, that sharp that sharp tongue, that wit uh that they have i mean i guess it doesn't necessarily relate to queerness and i don't want to i don't want to kind of just fall back on the other like feeling othered because i think in some of the cases like right some of these characters might not be other they just they are they're just acting they're just yeah. not, act the, not that they're acting to pretend but like they just are who they are they're just being right so yeah i think i think you have a point there though because i feel like i think there's a reason why there are queer fans of batman and you know fans of this queer fans of this like television show slash the movie that we're talking about today uh but i think you do have a point there with i think there are a fair amount of queer people who do like this kind of over-the-top nature this sort of like yeah this kind of like boisterous uh kind of yeah the flamboyance there you know and i think especially in batman i think that series has a lot more of that than a lot of the other superheroes do like i can't think of like superman like what fucking villains do they have you know what i mean like there obviously are them but like batman i think has the specific like these villains are over the top weird little flamboyant some of them you know and all this so i think that's exactly why there's queer fans of this series um as well and who could be like you know oh cool i like this uh or even like someone like or even something like x-men like i really liked the x-men right but when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, there isn't a ton of queer stuff in X-Men. Like, uh, you could breed into some of it, I'm sure. But, like, I don't know. Like, Magneto's, yeah, he's played by a gay guy. But, like, he, he's not, I don't think he is, necessarily. You know, so it's just one of these things where um, I think there's a point of, like, yeah, there's definitely gay Batman things. Obviously, you could put Batman and Robin, like, everyone's favorite gay couple, you know, in their head headcanon. But... I also just think like um, I do think it has a lot to do with these villains and just how kind of like outlandish and over the top they kind of are. Um, Cause again, not to speak for the whole community, but I will say I've noticed that when it comes to any kind of like flamboyant or over the top or any of these kinds of things, I mean, just as my own self as a gay man, you tend to eat that shit up, you know? So there's no surprise in that. Well, I, I wonder too, if some of it is not, like almost like the attraction and I'm the listeners I'm using quote finger Mm -hmm. quotes, you know, like Mm -hmm. you can see that like what I, like there's this, I think interesting attraction. And I think they kind of talk about that specifically in the trial episode where it's just like the, I was like the villains are attracted to Batman in terms of like, he is this force. So then like they come in to be Mm -hmm. bigger than that. Um, They kind of talk about that in the dark night a little bit where right. you know it's about, about that challenging of this authority or whatever and so like is it then 
just this attraction of outdoing each other. I specifically, I think Joker and Batman, you know, Joker's always trying to like best Batman, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I think any of the villains are, so a fair amount of the villains are trying to best Batman to get through their goals. Right. Um, but, you know, and I think of the, well, that episode, again, uh, the animated series, where the, the episode where they think they killed Batman and it, like, there's like, so they're mourning the death and, and Joker's in that episode, two faces in that episode. Uh, I mean, Joker specifically like then tries to kill the person who they believe killed Batman, but mm-hmm. there does seem to be some type of attraction there, right? That it sure. is more than just like robbing a bank and, you know, making people eat, you know, poisoned fish with the person's face on it. So, <laughs> right. I think it's a bit of a reach maybe, but maybe not. Um, I just, I think that's, what's fun about these types of fictionalized pieces is being able to like, again, that what if or brainstorm or even look at it a certain way to have an appreciation for it. Totally. Yeah. And I think also too, with the cult status of this movie as well, not that I talk a ton about the cult legacy of a film or whatever, but I think like in a way this movie has kind of had this like, interesting cult following because there are people who you know it already has that because it was a movie that didn't do well financially maybe but i think it was also just like this thing that ended up doing well in home video because when you saw like oh this is actually a pretty decent movie it's pretty good you know um it's then something that people could get introduced to the series by, which I always think is good. And also, you know, sometimes can uh, lend itself to have a following and to have even a cult following as well. Um, even though obviously Batman is a huge, gigantic multi-million dollar thing, obviously, but like still, I think, um, and also just the fact that this has like a darker tone than normal. It has a little bit more of a horror element, if you will, uh, which I think can also be interesting for horror fans as well. Um, I just think like there is that cult legacy there, uh, which I think makes it m- more interesting than maybe some of the other movies that came out with Batman, um, especially animated wise. Um and I always say like the distinct I like the distinction that, you know, for a long time it was the only Batman animated movie that ever came out in the theater because they wanted to they wanted to release it in the theater. Why? I don't know, but they did, you know, and uh now it's been invested by other places or by other titles, but um to have that interesting distinction. Similar to how I talked about in the Rugrats um episode, you know, um for a while that you know, until it was vested invested by other people or by other titles, uh, that movie was the first non-Disney movie to make a hundred million dollars at the box office. You know, so when you can have that kind of first distinction of like, I was the first thing to do this, that's always really cool too. So, but yeah. But do you have any kind of closing thoughts about that or anything before we start to like wrap it up here or anything? But I guess like Jerry Springer closing thoughts about Batman Master of the Phantasm. Obviously, you love it, but I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I guess closing thoughts. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I can't wait to watch it again. <laughs> and I, I literally enjoy, like, I just enjoy this movie. And I think back, and I've been enjoying a lot of the more recent animated Batman movies that have come out. I mean, like, I have Hush, I have the Long Halloween, like, I have both parts of the Long Halloween, and then I have, like, the master cut of the long Halloween um, Gotham by gaslight, all those. But I, I think this is fun because it is, of course it had its inspirations, but it's so like heavily an original story. Right. Mm-hmm. And it is a little, 
um, loosely genre bending. What I mean by that is it has this noir element, there's this yep. love story element, there's that horror element, especially when Sal gets you know, gassed. Um, you know, I just I think it is such a solid um, Batman story. I think it's a solid like early Batman story, and I mm-hmm. think it's great that. Um, but it seems like more people are getting into it. You know, I, yeah. I guess I would just I would like I would love a sequel. Sure. Or or like more of the Phantasm character. I think that'd be interesting to see explored. I also think I just want an action figure because I love the black and the gray yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, aesthetic of it all. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's fantastic and I love it. So yeah. Um I will ask uh so for somebody who likes this movie uh obviously you would probably tell them oh you should try to watch the animated series do you have any other of the movies that they should check out too i may also be asking this for myself as well but if you have anything to share with just recommendations like hey if you like this movie maybe check these other things out can you know like in the realm of like batman movies sure yeah yeah so um I would say what we talked about, we've kind of loosely touched on it. The uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like I'm butchering that title. Uh, definitely That's check it. that out uh, because, you know, it's in that same canon of the animated series and uh, the flashback, I guess it's like the second act maybe of the movie mm-hmm. is like straight out of the animated series, uh, particular important portion of time. I absolutely love that. You know, I mm-hmm. think um, I, I'm an easy entertainer. I think when it comes to the like, Batman films, so I I enjoyed them all. Hush, Long Halloween, like I said, a bunch of those other titles. Um, mm-hmm. There's a Batman Harley Quinn animated movie that is also in this style. I think mm-hmm. it's called Batman and Harley Quinn. Like that's super fun. Uh, it has Poison Ivy in it, and I think Swamp Thing and Nightwing. Okay, so check check that out. Um, nice. Yeah, I think overall. DC and Warner Brothers have done a really good job. Did you have other movies as well that are not Batman based that you would also recommend? That's what I was no. wondering too. Oh, like that are animated? I mean, I oh, no. or just not really not even animated. I, I, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I guess Scream. Like I said, I think uh, I love yeah. Phantasm. So check out Scream, but I think everyone sees Scream. <laughs> everyone um, watch Scream, obviously. <laughs> It's also a December uh, release. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, it is Christmas. Today is Christmas Day. So, yeah. um, you know, they the Ghost of Christmas Past is referenced. So, you know, I highly enjoy Disney's Mickey's Christmas Carol. So there's there that. There you go. Watch that, too. So that's, <laughs> yeah, a, that's, that's so a fun funny. time. Yeah. Um, Question yeah, about I the guess. the Return of the Joker movie. Um to kind of ask about this do you have to have watched batman beyond to also be into that or is it kind of a standalone i think it's standalone i mean i think like, you should know that okay like, that, like terry takes over batman but i right. i hadn't seen any of batman beyond when i saw return of the joker right, right. i just I, I knew that mark was joker mm-hmm. uh kevin was uh, batman, batman so i was like yeah. sign me up like that's all I need. Right. You were um, like, I'm I'm already I'm already like signed on the dotted line. You're good. All right. Great. <laughs> yeah. And they and I they like talk about enough where you get you understand that, okay, like Terry is Batman and he had his own situation. Right. But it, it doesn't I you can still see it and enjoy it. 
Yeah, um, it's not like you have to have watched all these episodes or like, oh, you had to watch this. And plus also Will Friedle's there, and I like that too. Good for him. Very yeah. happy um yeah i think um if anything on my closing thoughts too i mean yeah this movie was super fun when i watched it because of you and uh you know i'm very glad to see that you know yeah like i'm not the hugest of batman people but i did like this at least which means i think i would probably like the animated series hopefully and i think it's also cool to just have seen something that obviously is just like so like macho slash like you know obviously like geeks and comic book people you know like this shit but i like the fact that also we we brought it up earlier but like the fact that this was a character that was voiced by a gay guy for long long time and how that is a pretty big deal to someone like myself who i always like that kind of representation or just to see it same Oh, it's yeah. so super cool and um even though he has since passed away and all that i just think that there it's important to note that like yeah no like obviously like there was a gay guy who directed two of the movies that are uh, arguably very campy but like the fact that this guy was able to to bring a level of maturity and gravitas to this particular character um and really produce one of the best iterations of this character i think um and the fact that he was a mo just makes me very proud. So why I oh. have to obviously I, I, I want to second I want to second all of that. You know, <laughs> finding out that Kevin was a part of the community, it was just like yeah. that is so awesome. And especially given like I, I think it's fair to say the majority of people, like he is Batman, right? Yeah. Like Kevin's voice is Batman. Um and knowing that it it's a person of the LGBTQA plus community mm-hmm. that is that voice, did that voice. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. It's, it's important awesome. to see that. It's important to see that. Right. And when you For realize sure. it, you're like, all right, cool. You know, especially just not saying that like the, uh, the comic book slash whatever the fuck communities or whatever, not saying that they're horribly homophobic, obviously like not saying that, but I'm just saying like, yeah, you got some bros in there who you know might be kind of dumb sometimes but for you knowing like oh hey if you love the animated series i'm sorry but it's kind of hard for you to be homophobic when literally your batman is a big giant gay guy you know like what the hell you know but that's just and, me <laughs> well and added that like I, I recently saw on the internet one of those videos where like all these it was a i think a billy porter interview where he mentions all these straight actors who have won all these awards for playing right. gay characters you know, like you know gay people can't even get the parts of gay people right, so it's right. like it's almost like a um to me i just think it's really refreshing that we'll just go with mm-hmm. that phrase right now um that this gay man has played this straight man character or like this character mm-hmm. that's beloved by so many people um that probably identify as straight when it's like but the best voice, the best iteration yeah. is by a gay man. Hell yeah. This is fantastic. Yeah. Like that's awesome. And yeah, to end on that, but like, yeah, it's just, that's super cool. And again, it's, it's great that we have like, it's wonderful that you're like married to a man and like, we have some of these protections and all this shit. That's great, but it's still hard out here, everybody. Okay. So when you have things to look at that can be like, wow, this is awesome or like oh hey like you know we're trying to make good strides you know and um 
yeah I'm, I'm just really down for that and i think it's a good thing to end on if anything like yeah rest in power kevin conroy i love you i want i'm so excited to watch your show <laughs> yes rest great. in power kevin conroy i love, I love about him. that uh but travis thank you so much for coming on our show today my show um i'm glad to have had this uh and it was really fun to to talk to you about batman for whatever hour and a half or how long or really long we've been going but uh do you want to put yourself out there if you like your socials, if people want to follow you, any of that kind of stuff uh, and all that? Yeah. Uh, well, thank you so much for having me back. Uh, this is so much fun. And of course, like you said in the beginning, you know, I was, I, I was like blowing up your Instagram messages. Like, what about this movie? Like, I think it counts. It's animated, but I keep, think keep doing that. Stuff. I'm down for it. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, fantastic. Uh, Cause I, I just, I, I think it's so cool you know, i've already read about why i love this movie so uh thank you for having me back having me here uh i guess you can follow me on what instagram twitter it's uh more than mindless but there's no a due to the character limit so m-o-r-e-t-h-n-m-i-n-d-l-e-s-s i'm on there on letterbox as well if you want to follow um at this point just kind of doing doing whatever i can to stay busy right uh looking to um gets hopefully booked for some upcoming pride events next year in 2024 i'm uh, really kind of de- de- digging more into my public speaking so excited about that and excited about just watching like more animated movies <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i like i really enjoy animated oh and i want to say those adam west there are two animated batman adam west movies they are super fun so check those out too what are they? Like, uh, that I don't know the titles exactly, but they. Well, that's your homework, listener. <laughs> yeah, go go check those out. Uh, they're a lot of fun. So again, thank you. This has been a blast. Oh, and Merry Christmas, season yes. meetings, uh-huh. Happy New Year, um, Happy Happy Hanukkah, all the holidays, Kwanzaa, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Happy holidays. Yes, you know, um, have a good time and be, be safe nice to everybody. If you're going to party hard, so yeah, I'm going to literally yeah. just be at my house, probably just, you know, like hanging out like I normally do, but you know, <laughs> but thank you so much, Travis. I do appreciate you coming on the show and uh, I can't wait to have you back for another. I didn't, I didn't know what you're going to bring me now. So I'm down for that, but thanks so much. And I will talk to you soon. Okay. Toodles. Bye. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can do so via email at cultcinemacircle at gmail.com. In case you want to give any movie or episode recommendations, give feedback on the show, or if you'd like to just say, hey, I'm open to all of it. If you'd like to follow the show on social media, you can do so on Instagram and Instagram threads at Cult Cinema Circle. I tend to post what I'll be covering for the next week on there, post stories, things like that. On X, I'm at Cult Cine Circle. On there, I don't really post a whole lot, but if you want to follow the show, it's there for you to follow. And then on Letterboxd, I'm at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Kremp, K-R-E-M-P, all one word. On there, I log little movie reviews, I'll log what I'm watching, and then it's also a nice way to kind of see what I might be covering on the show in the future. 
Be sure to rate, comment, and subscribe to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pretty much on all of them. Be sure to leave five stars and a one to two sentence review about the show uh, so we can grow the audience and then just spread the love all around. Be sure to tune in next week to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast where I'll be covering 2006's Last Holiday. A shy cookware sales clerk thinks that she's dying of terminal cancer and decides to take one last dream vacation to Europe. Selling all of her possessions, she decides to live it up in a posh hotel, but does not know how the rich are supposed to conduct themselves. The residents are initially confused, but decide that her eccentricity must mean that she is incredibly wealthy and influential. As always, thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cult Cinema Circle podcast, and remember... Your angel of death awaits. Take care. Bye.